Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me, as always, is a very essential service to this podcast, Zach Mabry. Zach, how are you, my friend? Matt, I'm good. I'm doing good. Feeling good. It's good. It's all good. How's farm life? Keep uh, Update us on mowing lawns and and uh hanging out with chickens well, and i don't know what do you I, I thought i did i thought i did a pretty good job mowing the lawn last week but the grass is growing back and so we're probably gonna have to mow it again this week um hmm. i don't know that's, what i don't know what i did that's wrong. weird that's very rude i know it's hateful did, did they not know that your intent to cut it was to get it to the perfect length and keep it there as opposed I mean, to letting known. it grow back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm going to have to, you know, do that. I've found, uh, like, further back on the property, I found that we have a spring. Okay. And so I've, I've, I've located the spot where eventually a Marian shrine is going to be, is going to be placed. I just have to figure out exactly what, what I'm going for with that. Do you, uh, yeah, do your parents know, is this kind of going to be like a guerrilla warfare tactic here to like install it without just kind of slowly taking over their property? It's one of those where I, I'm not going to ask them, like I may tell them, mm-hmm. but uh, it's happening, yeah. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. happening. irregardless, irregardless. Irregardless. Uh, quick, new, quick bit of news before we get in to talk to Father Anthony. Everyone's favorite father anthony sharapa i say everyone's favorite uh he's he's 98 percent you know 98 <laughs> percent of people's favorites it uh <laughs> uh we're, we're recording this on tuesday so by then people will know that cnn anchor chris cuomo has tested positive for coronavirus zach yeah did so you, you see this i did i saw his post about it mm-hmm I, yeah, so Chris Cuomo's the younger with the CNN one with the better face. Right, and the governor is the older one with, uh, well, we can't, I don't want to get into what we discovered about him, but it... Uh, oh, it, yeah. <laughs> Some very piercing news. <laughs> um, I, I'm not here to make a joke about Chris Cuomo because, like, secretly I kind of like him. Uh, even though I think he's ridiculous, but there's been videos him every time he has his brother on the governor on his show. It's so hilarious to me. Have you seen these clips? Um, they're pretty funny. Yeah. The, the brother, cause like their brothers, obviously Chris Cuomo on CNN, his brothers, Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York. And they'll like talk about how, whose mom's favorite or whatever. Yeah. So the last one, Chris, Chris said to Andrew, he said, with all this adulation you're receiving for just doing your job, are you thinking about running for president now? <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's, it's such like a great brother-to-brother conversation playing out on the 24-hour news media. Yes. I, I, I Those were pretty fun. Though I did mm. say someone said we need a Cuomo's brother podcast after this. And it's like we absolutely do not need a Cuomo brother podcast. Please no. But I do enjoy their, like, bro moments on on TV. It's pretty Mm -hmm. cool. And shout out to friend of the show, Professor Adrian Vermeule, for trending on Twitter today. 
Yes, he had his piece in the Atlantic. He wrote a piece in the Atlantic that got everyone up in arms. Uh, yeah, he talked about how the, the founding fathers are pretty cringe and blue pilled, and we don't necessarily need to know how Thomas Jefferson would have handled today's problems. We can kind of we can come up with our own solutions. I, I liked it. I was going to say not necessarily a viewpoint I disagree with, but you know, I didn't really read the piece. I just saw he was trending and thought it was great. That's uh, yeah. that's what's going on in the news. Chris Cuomo and Adrian Vermeule. Uh, anything you got? Anything you want to tell the people before we get to this Father Anthony stuff? Um, I don't think so. Nothing's really coming to mind, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, just stay stay safe and stay quarantined. And after the core, we can all hang out. After the core, all right. Uh, let's talk to the internet's one-time leading priest, now offish of Twitter. Father Anthony Sharapa. Zach, once again, for his his calendar year appearance, uh, we're joined by the the main host of the, the very Desert... reverend, or no, just the reverend. We'll have to check the books. Yeah, we'll have to. <laughs> yeah, well, no, he's so he is the main host of the Desert Fathers podcast. He is one half. Really, one third, if you want to give producer Nick some credit of mm. uh, of the team at Clerically Speaking, and he he just an all around wonderful fella, Father Anthony Sharapa. Father, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. It's good to be back. It, we before this is our second go at it. Apparently, I sounded muffled, but we were discussing how you are one of the few three time podcast guests we have here right at roman circus uh joining caitlin fascista 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 i think it's fascista she's your friend matt like (laughs) i say say fascista is it maybe that's the americanized version of it i just assume that we are in america yeah oh that's true it's true i could be (laughs) wrong i make stuff up all the time that's why i have my own podcast Mm mm-hmm yeah, that's yeah. the. And you have, you, I mean, you have the spicy nugs too. Like, how many podcasts we got? Oh, so that's many, true. so many, so many. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you you came on about this time last year, and we talked about Ben Shapiro's new book. We don't have any books to talk about now. No. Um, but we do have just life, life in general <laughs> to discuss. Uh, life in the time of Corona. Yeah, we're all hunkered down. The the governor of Arizona yesterday finally said that the state is going to go on lockdown, like big, big boy lockdown, mm-hmm. except he, it, but he said essential services will still be open. And one of those essential services is golf. He's, he's still going to let you go out there and golf. Wow. As it turns out, essential service means that you have a business and you're, you have close personal connections to the executive of your state (laughs) Um, which i mean that's called being smart people Mm -hmm. it's called being smart is there any like Uh, how how are they going to enforce these sort of things statewide like if a cop pulls you over you just say you're going to the grocery store and you can go about your business like i still understand i think most people i mean yeah like Bloomberg had to apologize all about stop and frisk, but it seems like we just instituted it nationwide. <laughs> yeah. Stop and frisk. Like, are you going to the grocery store or 
are you just minding your own business, which yeah. you can't do. Right. It, uh, so who knows? The great part about the, like, uh, media and like how everything works, like mere moments before the governor out here decided to do the lockdown, there was a report in the New York Post that uh, basically said that he wa- he wasn't going to do any lockdown measures because he was trying to do some sick experiment. So, like, within seconds, oh. <laughs> that New York Post article was just completely irrelevant. There you go. Now, see, yeah. I'm... Some uh, sick I, experiments. Yeah. See, I'm I'm a good boy. So, if someone says, hey, these are the rules now, I'm like, okay, I will follow the yeah. rules. Um, totally. So, it's like, like I'm I'm staying home. Um, I'm not visiting anybody. I'm going to the grocery store, and that's about it. Uh, and I think a lot of people are like that, but a lot of people are also not like that. So I just find this all fascinating. Yeah, I like you know I. Yeah, a I lot got... of people see it one way, but then there's a lot of people that see it a different way. It's like really interesting. <laughs> mm, true, right? <laughs> the duality of man. Oh, good. All right, Father Anthony, what? As a priest, you're a priest, right? Yes. Okay. Um, Some might disagree, but I, I'm. Fairly certain I am. Yeah. 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 No, you, you went through ordination, but it's still kind of questionable. Yeah. It's, uh, (laughs) what's it, we're off, off air, uh, before we were kind of talking about how your diocese has gone through the ringer the past year or two. Yeah. What, what's it like for you, especially to be a priest in the time of the virus? Yeah. So my diocese in particular last two years have been rough. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, we've we've been undergoing for a long time now this reorganizational process. And uh, and what most people know about it in my diocese is that we're going from like 200 parishes to like 50 parishes. And so we're in the midst of all of that. Right. And then, you know, a little while ago, we had the whole PA grand jury report, which has hit us really hard um, emotionally uh, for the diocese, financially, all of that um, confidence is just tanked. And then uh, now we've got the uh, the Rona hitting us, and you know it started off small. That uh, what was it? It, it? I mean, it happened so quickly. Like the one weekend. No, oh, it's really. I heard so like. Yeah, it started anyway. Go on. Yeah, so like the one weekend we had, uh, you know, the obligation to attend mass was lifted. Well, it's funny. Like uh, four days beforehand, I was uh, at a priest council meeting, and we were talking about the coronavirus. But the feeling was kind of calm. Like, okay, we're gonna take some precautions and. You know, make sure you wash mm-hmm. your hands and blah, blah, blah. And, and that seemed reasonable to me. Um, but then, like, everything moved so fast. That I was like, oh, man, they really got closed down masses. And sure enough, after that, they did that. And now uh, the latest news is that um, basically there's going to be no public celebration of the sacraments, uh, confession, and anointing only um, in uh, extreme circumstances in the case of death. Um, we can't uh, do any kind of funeral liturgies. We can't even, like, be present at... Uh, and do any kind of like funeral prayers or anything like that. All of those are, are postponed um, for the time being. And it's really odd and it's really weird. Um, and so uh, we, we are all televangelists now. So we're, uh, we've got our streaming equipment set up and I stream mass in the morning. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, there's never been a normal time for me to be a priest in the last three years. Um, but this, it just keeps getting less normal, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. You, you really got thrown into it. Like say, 
say you were a priest, I'm going to pick somewhere random in Victoria, Canada, who just kind of lived in solitude with his parish and just, you know, had yeah. a small parish and he he had no drama, but you really got thrown into the drama. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think of uh, there's a priest with me uh, in my in my assignment, and this is his first year as a priest. So this is going to be his first Holy Week. Oh, wow. And I just can't even imagine what that's like. Um, it's 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 the thing is like you can um this one thing i've learned in three years like yeah you can spend eight years being trained to be a priest and i did have good formation and i really Mm -hmm. went all out in my formation i wasn't messing around um and even after all of that you become a priest and and you know nothing and you have to learn everything and um it's a weird time to learn how to be a priest it's kind of extreme um and i'm sure i'm sure that providentially this is all going to make sense uh one day to me but right now it really doesn't so we're just we're just doing our best Mm -hmm. yeah so what are i was wondering this and zach i don't know if you've heard anything but like say easter vigils will those be live live streamed or easter vigils just kind of gonna be not a thing this year in general oh my will you still sell it Will you still celebrate one just by yourself well, or, you know, with whoever else? Uh, the yeah. Priests? Yeah, this was a question that came up. Apparently, there have been priests who have been asking, uh, like, why do we even have to celebrate Easter Vigil? What's the point? There's no people. Mm-hmm. And which was incredibly disheartening to me to find out that more than one priest uh, in the world um, thought of this question because the Easter Vigil, this is, this is the... M- the mass of the mass. It's right. the biggest liturgical event. It's it's the resurrection. It's the mass from which all masses flow. Yeah, of course we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, our, our my diocesan directives are you um, should, if you can, live stream it. Um, there's different things we can't do, so we're not doing the Easter fire thing, the blessing of the candle, and um, some other stuff. I think some of these directives have come from uh, Rome. I think others, uh, I'm not sure exactly where the directives came from, but it's going to be modified because there, are, there isn't a congregation there, but we're still going to do it. Um, the big no-no, which was, uh, they, they tried to tell us, you can't record Easter Vigil like Wednesday and then drop the recording Saturday night, you know, of Easter. You can't do that. Which I was like, yeah, like of course not. But apparently like this is another question, you know? <laughs> like it's Friday night SmackDown or WrestleMania. Exactly. You pre- can re- <laughs> pre-record it and air it when it's supposed to air. Wow. You know, some well, people... And that's what's, yeah. what's funny is it, it does seem like... Well, it, it seems like people um, need to kind of remember who who it's all really about. Like when we're offering incense, we're offering incense to God. We're not necessarily offering it to make people feel like they're at mass you know mm-hmm. and so it wouldn't be wasteful to use incense during a private you know during these events simply because people aren't present um obviously there's different rules for like strictly like a private mass but um it, you know it's it's not just oh well no one's here so we don't have to use the the good china it's like well actually <laughs> right. um the guest of honor is still here mm-hmm yeah, and this is okay. So I'm I've been thinking about how to tackle all this spiritually speaking, and I think all right, it's lay it very on us. yeah. And one of the things that I've been thinking about is that this is most certainly a test, um, and it's a test in this sense. There's there's good tests and there's bad tests. Yeah, a bad, bad tests would be like the COVID nineteen test where they put a, a a swab like 
into the back of your head via your nose. I don't know if y'all have seen the picture. Right. They basically like, tickle your brain through your Ugh. nose. It looks Ugh. really uncomfortable. Whoever, somebody pointed out that they should have just been blasting that image everywhere weeks ago. <laughs> because that really did make it, bring it home for a lot. Like, because I've done the regular flu test and I, it's traumatizing having a swab go that far up your nose. So then seeing how right. far this thing has to go. And they have to do it in both. <laughs> um anyway sorry so that's a bad test i would say <laughs> so i would say like so uh, in general like a bad test is something that's set up to make you fail so a teacher who's trying to make you fail is giving you a bad test a good test reveals what is hidden so a good medical test will reveal the sickness that you have a good academic test will reveal what you know and i have found this whole covid-19 thing to be an excellent test because it has revealed so much about who we are and on all sides of the religious uh, spectrum. Uh, and one of the things that has been like revealed, and this has been revealed more and more and more, I think, because of the internet, because people tell on themselves on the internet, is one, how, uh, how many uh, they Westerners... They on themselves. Yeah, they do. Uh, how many Westerners, and particularly Americans, don't realize how much modernism and Americanism has infected them, even if they consider themselves traditional. But... What's more close to home for me is that it's revealed that for many Catholics and for many people, even in the hierarchy, it seems uh, that the point of the sacraments is kind of a social gathering or it's mm -hmm. the emphasis is more on the program or it being a nice event or it making people feel good and yeah we've known that people have thought this but it's been like shockingly revealed to me to be honest maybe i shouldn't be shocked but this whole idea of like why bother celebrating the vigil because no one's going to be there or even i, I you know uh, i get concerned about the idea of postponing things like um bringing people into the church so mm -hmm. yes rcia yeah. ideally is a very good way to bring people in the church ideally you know they're learning they're going through these different rituals it's it's good i like it i'm for it but it's those rituals and things while important means of catechesis and entering into and maybe opening up people's hearts to the grace that's going to be received that's all good but that's not essential like receiving the sacraments is essential right so maybe we can't do it all pretty like but like can't we welcome people into the church you know can't we baptize people that's what that's a personal struggle for me right now my uh, yeah my buddy just they him and his wife just had a kid maybe like less than a month ago mm -hmm. and he was really panicking cuz they he lives in Houston and they just were like not going to let him get his child baptized and he's like guys please don't mess around with my new like he obviously he wants to be respectful but he's like you know like please do not mess around with my newborn who can you know there are ways that newborns can die unfortunately right. obviously like so he was like really freaking out about this whole thing he was able to get it done but i mean it yeah like it's there there's some could be serious implications or like big implications right yeah and so yeah i've got friends in a similar situation i was supposed to do their baptism two weeks ago and uh they're getting more and more worried mm -hmm. and to be honest you know i you know telling them you're the parents you know you the home is the domestic church you have care over this person uh and you this is an emergency situation i don't okay so this is an emergency situation right we're this huge pandemic we don't know what's going on 
I think it's mm-hmm. definitely within their rights to baptize their kid because theologically speaking, uh, they can. Anyone uh, can baptize as long as they do so with water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and they desire to do what the church understands as baptism, they can do it. Any Christian uh, especially can do that. So it's like I've been telling them, if you feel like you need to do this, I'm totally for it. You know, document it, write it down, because mm-hmm. one day we're going to put this in the book and everything else. Um, but stuff like that's important. And it feels, and maybe just it's being communicated poorly. But the feeling is that sometimes like the, how the ritual looks or how the program looks, because we can't do things the normal way we like to do them, we shouldn't do them at all. And maybe mm-hmm. that's not what they're trying to do, but that's the feeling I, I get. And next to this as well is a struggle um, with something that I, I think every priest, every good priest, or at least someone who's trying to be a good priest, holds dearly to their heart is this idea of obedience. Because, you know, uh, if the bishop says to postpone masses and to postpone things for a while, yeah, I get that. Absolutely. Okay. Prudence, all that jazz that's important. Uh, that's something I'm definitely going to be obedient to. But you know, I, I, I try to imagine what if somebody just bumped into me at Giant Eagle and said, hey, I feel like I have a mortal sin and I really want to go to confession right now. Could I say no to that person? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could, you know. Uh, and I, mean, I don't at know this if, point, is, yeah. that being, is that what's being asked? Well, the thing is, it's saying uh, in uh, confession um, shouldn't be celebrated except in... Uh, extreme circumstances meaning death near to death you know um but you know what if i were to and this okay. is it, it's tough to talk about particulars and not you know i don't want to get myself or anyone else in trouble as well you know i imagine if that were to happen my bishop would be like yeah just do it but don't tell anybody about it like let's not try to because the, the fear would be then that everyone's gonna be running around spreading the virus because they want to be heroes and hear everyone's confession um but stuff like this is really complicated and weird. Uh, I think in moments like that, you do have to follow um, where the Spirit is guiding you. Uh, but it, it's bringing up a lot of weird questions because this is this is a weird time. And so, if I'm rambly, yeah. I apologize. I'm all I'm all kinds of confused trying to sort this out myself. By yeah. all means. Well, and I think one point that needs to be made too is obviously I, I think there might be some confusion with baptism. Mm-hmm. So obviously, ordinarily. Uh, you know, the priest is the minister of baptism and that's what, you know, we would want. But I think people have said in an emergency, anybody can baptize. And I think one thing to point out is that really absent an emergency, anybody can baptize. It's just not licit to just go around doing. Um, But the validity isn't really. So if, if for some reason you, you do it and like you over you you misjudge the situation it's not really an emergency like the validity of the baptism isn't dependent on there being an emergency that allows right, right. you know the father to do it again i think it would be good since we're able to talk to our priests for the most part that like somebody could reach out and discuss with their pastor um mm. unless you know unless they do think it's um an emergency but i mean i yeah like i wouldn't put that off and even with like I've seen people go different ways and I think it is definitely something to make your own choice with, with regard to marriage. I have seen people um, have basically private ceremonies with their priests, like in the, at the church um, and then say, okay, in in like three months, we're going to do a reception so that everybody else can celebrate with us. Um, 
but then I've also seen people postpone and I'm assuming that some of that's dependent on what the diocese or the pastor will allow but I mean I think there's a case to say you know if you're ready to be married um, and you've prepared and you know you could be starting a family and whatnot it you know maybe go through with it uh, yeah but you obviously would have to get permission to do that yeah so right now we can't have the we can't have weddings um and so okay. it, it just well, I mean, it is Lent, so people really shouldn't be doing it anyway well <laughs> for the foreseeable okay. future as well uh but here's but like okay so this is where i struggle with this and i'm not saying that um i'm gonna try to be as i'm gonna be honest on this podcast because i think it's important uh but to I would just this hope that anyone listening. Important. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. I hope that anyone listening wouldn't try <laughs> to use me working through this as a bludgeon against a bishop or for their own ideology. And if they do that, they're terrible people who should go to confession but can't, and therefore are probably going to hell. Okay. So, uh, in my view, you know, a couple that wants to keep their wedding date and is okay with having just the priest there and two witnesses, and is okay with foregoing all the pomp and circumstance because they care about the sacraments. That's the kind of person I especially want to like have celebrate the sacrament because they know what's really important about this whole marriage thing. Totally. You know? uh, so it's like if you're willing to sacrifice all of that, all the worldly stuff, and say, you know what, we don't care that we can't have a big reception, we don't care about any of that stuff, maybe we can do it later and that would be nice, but we just know it's time and we would like to be married. Like, yeah, I want to do that for you, you know? And I, I think... A lot of the reactions uh, coming from different dioceses, uh, they're reactions. And it's because a lot of stuff is moving very fast and uh, they want, bishops want to make the best decision uh, for the safety of their, of their flock. And let's be honest, most of us do need more time on this earth to repent. And so if we can give ourselves more time to repent and uh, turn to, the, you know, to Christ, then I think that's important to, to keep that in mind. Uh, and I think you'll see things change, especially if this goes on for, you know, um, another month or so i think um there's gonna be more thought about this and as we learn more about everything i think this stuff is going to change right now it's it's weird and it's weird because for my diocese it's only been what like two weeks of like things being shut down and it feels like an eternity sure like if really if like if this thing only lasted three weeks which it won't it's gonna last a longer time but let's say it lasts you know like six months you know that's a blip in in history you know if we had to like postpone things for six months it wouldn't be that big a deal. It would feel like a big deal at the time, but we also have to keep things in a kind of a, a bigger perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I went to drive through confession the other day. Yeah. Just to see how that old, that old thing went. And it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't nearly as awkward as I thought it would be. Like, he, cause he, I mean, the priest is just standing there and you just kind of drive up and it, I mean, it is weird to be in your car like like i like you just assume the priest is going to be like all right thank you for your sins pull up to the next window to receive <laughs> yeah, yeah. your penance right hmm. but no he just it i it's obviously not ideal and not something that needs to be it should not be a thing well, again. okay, you say it's not ideal, but I'll say this much because we did it, and we did it with our cars, and people drove well, up. And my I mean, car is my car is way more comfortable than any confessional I've been in. So there's <laughs> that, you know. So uh, be careful with your word ideal. Uh, but no, so we, you know, we did it, and people were very respectful. It was kind of all business. They were there to go to confession. The only awkward thing for me celebrating it is that um, normally when someone comes into the confessional, 
I'll welcome them by saying, you know, welcome to confession. Because it says in the ritual that the priest welcomes the penitent when they enter. But, like, Mm -hmm. if I say welcome to confession when they pull up to, like, my window in the car, it feels way more like McDonald's. So I just was out of my groove. So Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to say to people. Like, hi! (laughs) Or just, like, nod at them. But I'm also trying not to look at them. But overall, you know, it was working really well while we were doing it. Were you able to see them? Because, like, I've seen pictures where priests have, uh, like, blindfolds on. Yeah, so I don't do anything like that. I never look at my penitents pretty much ever. So even if they go face-to-face with yeah. me, um, I'm kind of looking down uh, just because it helps me forget, you know. Uh, it's I don't yeah. want to you remember don't anything. No, I, don't, <laughs> I don't even want to cast my eyes upon <laughs> you. Um, <laughs> but really, like some priests say, like, oh, I just always forget. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know if that's – it's just – it's helpful, okay? I'm never going to break the seal of confession, but this is just easier for me. Um, yeah. And uh, for a lot of reasons. But anywho, so basically I, I was just – A certain amount of, like, respecting the seal of confession is also yeah. um, like giving it its space. Like, uh, like, obviously, it would just be a choice to break it or not break it. But mm-hmm. I think respecting it would also be things like what you're talking about, like, you know, helping yourself forget or, mm-hmm. or whatnot. Yeah, so uh, it was uh, – the thing is, though, second time we did it, it was raining, so it was a little bit awkward, but I had a little bit of a hood, and that really helped because I could kind of look down and still hear them, uh, whereas before it was it was a little more difficult to kind of be able to hear them and but not look at them. Um, but, yeah, we, we worked it out. Um, and I think everyone knew this is a weird time with weird circumstances, so even those who probably prefer to go behind a screen, they were willing to roll with the punches because of you know the time we're in. I can't believe they didn't bring a screen. Like, did, did people not have those in their cars? Or is it just... <laughs> Shockingly, no, right? Um, well, there's there's aspects of this that I do hope sort of endure. Um, what? No, go ahead. What, what aspects do you think endure? Oh, um, I, I mean, there's aspects of this that I do hope endure to an extent. Like, priests, so many priests live-streaming their mass. Um because, you know, some of them are doing it every day now. And it, it, it's great to be able to tune in TWTM. But it is nice, too, when you are away. Um, it, it, my, you know, I'm, I'm streaming Mass for my parish in Dallas. And I'm way out of state now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's pretty cool. And then also, so, like, you know, if I'm traveling, I could do that in an ordinary time when we don't. Sorry, not ordinary time. But in a, a oh, What is that, Zach? When ordinary time? Have, <laughs> yeah. Um, when we don't have... Um, this going on but then also i mean i don't know if, if maybe drive-through confession is too casual but i do think i do like the the sort of creativity and getting confession more out there because you know i mean i know it's a lot of work for the priests and it's exhausting and really demanding of their time but it's been neat to see um it's, it's almost like raised awareness of the importance of confession that there's you know people are going to extraordinary steps to make sure it's still available and so you know, some of this sort of um, liturgical like ingenuity or sacramental ingenuity, I, I hope it kind of keeps going. There's no reason we can't stream mass from millions of parishes without COVID-19. Yeah, I see where you're coming from, but there's there's two things I'm thinking about. One is that my okay. uh, uh, my previous assignments, um, we had a mass that was televised. So every morning the mass was televised and Sunday morning was televised. And it's a wonderful thing to have because all the shut-ins, they, they knew me uh, before I knew them. So like most of the parish knew who I was as soon as I entered the parish because of these televised masses. And it's great for them to feel connected, to pray along with the mass. I tell people when you're praying along with the mass via television, no, it's not the same as 
the mass, but it's kind of like praying the rosary. It's devotional. It's good. There's going to be graces that flow from that. Okay. Uh, but the thing is, a lot of people in that parish, because a televised mass was still available, they thought that they could uh, just watch mass and it would count. Mm. Uh, as much as you say these oh. things, a lot of times it doesn't sink into people's minds. Or someone was even asking, like, okay, so if I watch, there's no masses, okay, right, no public masses right now, and we still got the question, okay, so can I still watch mass um, Saturday night? Does that still count? And like, no, no, no. The point is, there's no obligation to attend mass, right. so there's no like, counting. It doesn't count no matter what. And that's I, what I, I was telling people. By all means. You, Stream mass on Sunday, but you're not obligated to do it, even in a situation like right. Like exactly. Our pastor said he's asked he asked everybody to to do it, but it made it clear that this isn't. It's not a. Uh, there's no obligation. Period. So not watching mass on Sunday is not missing mass in the current right. Environment. Exactly. So there needs to be the effort to catechize people with what this is and what it isn't. Yeah. We the I know it's just words and it's how we describe things, but. We really need to figure out a way to blast the idea of does it count out of our lexicon. It's tough if, if you're a Roman. It's tough if you're... <laughs> wait, sorry, what'd you say? I said it's tough if you're Latin, right? Because that's a lot of where our spirituality and all, a lot of our um, stuff has, has leaned towards. Uh, it's it's a very Western uh, Christianity kind of way of looking at things. And it's going to be hard to break us out of that. But yeah, I think we need to. Yeah, it just it it it's like... I don't know it. The, because we, it's okay to like. Well, I went to a wedding a few years ago, and the it was like late on Saturday, and the priest got on the microphone at the reception, was like, "I know you all are wondering, and yes, this does count for Sunday." And I was like, "Or just don't tell them and let them go to mass on Sunday." Like, it doesn't, you know. It's like we're so worried about just filling out our punch card. And, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know that I mind that too much. Like, I I agree, you know. I'm looking at, I'm talking about it from a, a purely that, punch card standpoint, Zach. Not the yeah. idea that it doesn't count, quote unquote. But, but I don't know. I think that there's something, not necessarily the punch card view, but there's something nice about knowing what's like you're kind of legally required to do and fulfilling those requirements in a certain sense. Like, I think that that's... Um, it's appropriate to remind people that the church as an institution like exists and is sort of a living thing. And so like, that was one thing I was saying with, with everybody talking about masses being canceled and how the obligations were lifted. Everybody wanted to like relitigate their Bishop's decision. And it's like, okay guys, you know, you're being an, an you're being an anarchist right now. You're not <laughs> recognizing that we have an institution and authority figures who make these decisions for us. So we don't, we don't have to agree. Like right. it doesn't matter, even if you have a really good argument for that mass shouldn't be canceled. Um, you know, I mean, I guess call your bishop and and try to to debate him if he he'll listen. But I mean, other than that, it doesn't matter. It's not your call to make. And I think a lot of people think, okay, well, we have to take what's said by the bishops and sometimes even the pope, and then apply, you know, all of the, our own thinking to it and and citations and theologians and bloggers and whomever. And if it comes, if it checks out, then we are, then we're obedient. And so to a certain extent, I, I like being reminded that there is an actual institution that has binding authority. And if it says it counts, it counts. But I agree that then like you go to mass on Sunday out of devotion. There's no, you know, I don't know. I think we do see this kind of differently. 
No, I think uh, yeah, I think the points you make are, are correct. Um, but I also want to drop maybe the hottest take that I have about all this. Are you ready for it? Mm. Here we go. I think that it's good that it will be good for people not to go to confession right away, right now. Because when confession is readily available all the time, it can set up the sacrament for abuse. Because many of us, if we're really honest, when we sin and we freak out and we want to go to confession immediately, we need to sit back and like, why am I freaking out? Am I freaking out because all of a sudden God doesn't love me because I've sinned? I must go to confession so that he can love me again. Right? This is different than being in a state of grace. This is something that's a lot of times we ignore the, the psychological, emotional, and spiritual side of this and go for an immediately technical side of this. Like, I need to be clean again, right? Mm-hmm. But there can be something incredibly spiritually beneficial about sitting in your sin for a little bit and being like, okay, am I really sorry for this? Or am I just afraid of punishment? Am I really sorry for this? Or do I like kind of being able to do this and go to confession whenever I want? And you can see how, how easy it'd be to abuse that. And a lot of times we don't do these things consciously. It's not like we're malicious about it, but it is what we're doing if we're actually honest and we sit with ourselves for a while. You know, um, If confession wasn't so available, would I change my life? Would I take the steps to avoid certain kinds of sin? Would I actually reach out for help? knowing that, you know, it's really important for me to avoid sin. And if I say in my act of contrition all the time that I'm even going to avoid the near occasion of sin, do I take that seriously? Or do I want to be able to sin as much as I want and be able to go to confession as much as I want because it's my right to the sacraments? And like I said, you're not going to think that consciously, but, but pride and presumption, right. they're very sneaky things that sneak up in our souls. Mm. Uh, and that's why even in time, some spiritual directors will, will, will not allow their penitents to... Um, go to confession more than once a month to s- precisely to deal with these things on a deeper spiritual level, um, to sit with them. And we also have to, it's, it's tough, it's tough. It's tough to describe this stuff because we're so backwards catechetically uh, in so many ways. But God, we are bound by the sacraments. God is not. Your soul and your destiny is ultimately in God's hands. And so if you're freaking out that you can't go to Mass, you can't receive the sacraments as easy as you want to, you have to take it back and realize, am I actually a man or woman of little faith who does not believe that my soul and my destiny is ultimately in God's hands, that I have to control God through my attending of the sacraments and reception of them? These are really subtle um, heresies of the mind and the heart that are being revealed right now. And so if you find that welling up in you, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's God revealing a sickness that now can work towards healing through more study, through most especially through honest prayer. So in that sense, this time of fasting from even the sacraments will be, God will bring good out of it. Like he really will if we're willing to do that. Now, if we want to stick our heads in the sand and pound on the ground and yell at bishops and look outwards, that's fine. You can do that. But I'm telling you right now, that's not what the saint does. And you can shout, oh, this is abuse. No, this isn't. No, this isn't. You can't shout abuse at every little thing that inconveniences you about the Catholic Church. And if you do that, that's a terribly sinful attitude to take. And you're belittling those who have actually been abused. Whereas you are just selfish and want your sacraments when you want them. You know, there's there's a lot that's being revealed right now. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit fired up. But 
No, That's what I mean by right, this though. is a test. A lot of things are being revealed, and we can take this and really grow from it if we choose to. Yeah, I think a lot of people, um, they, they all the time say they want the bishops to exercise their authority. They want the bishops to be leaders and whatnot. Well, you know, the bishops were leaders in doing this. They t- mm-hmm. I mean, there is a lot. I mean, if you just want to go on the material level, it's going to cost churches a significant amount of money to have been closed like this. And I know it's not about that, but you have to realize like they put skin in the game by suspending mass in hopes of not spreading this virus. And that's leadership. And it wasn't just, okay, now we don't have mass. We don't have to be inconvenienced or we get to all take a vacation. It's like, this is going to be very costly for the church. It opened them up to criticism and the need to refine catechesis on a lot of areas. Um, And they made the decision. So I think to a certain extent, we should be, you know, thankful that the bishops have been leaders during this moment instead of just simply reacting, um, you know, after the fact. Sure. And then to the point about confession, I think I tend to have almost the opposite, um, like not, pro- I guess, problem from what you're recommending. Like I tend to, I will at times delay going to confession on the basis of, oh, it's always available. I can go seven days a week. <laughs> okay, yeah, long. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely having having it not available has definitely um you know given it almost a sense of urgency that i hadn't experienced before just being in dallas where it is readily available i mean i have it within walking distance uh of six days a week and so um you know it's uh, to me that's the thing i do think that there's a lot of good that can be drawn out of this both in what you're describing and then people who don't have that same issue of, of just going to confession sin and going to confession sin you know whatever they're they are i think there's a lot of good that can be drawn from this and um yeah i mean and people have talked about they you know if they realized that the last time they went to mass was going to be the last time for you know weeks and weeks would they have um been more prayerful would they have been more in tune with the liturgy would they have you know I, I do think that there's a lot of good that can come from the circumstances that have been placed in front of us Right. There's a so I've seen some people, you know, talk about how suspending mass is like grave and we will face like harsh punishment for this. And like, man, I think we like out of all the things that we're going to face punishment for, I think I think the suspension of public mass is like kind of far not far on the list, but like kind of down a few pegs. Like I think we have a lot more that we're going to be held responsible for than this like couple of months here. Right. Right. And like this whole, um, you know, if God, if this whole thing is a divine punishment, uh, and I think it's, I think it can be spiritually beneficial to look at this as divine punishment, but if you're going to do it, don't cast your blame at a statue. Don't cast your blame at bishops. The saint will cast his or her blame at themselves and their own sins. And their Mm -hmm. answer will be very simple. Why is this happening to us? Because of our many sins. Um, Because of my sins. You know, I think there's something very pious about that way of looking at it. Um, But if you're just using it to be like, oh, this is your fault. All this is happening because of you. That's that's not what what an intercessor does. That's not what a saint does. That's not what a prophet does. The prophet says, you know, we are sinful people and I'm among them. But Lord, can you spare us anyway? You know, that's a good prayer. Um, but yeah, this whole like blaming other people thing is, is pathetic and utterly unchristian. Um, it's, it's, if this is 
divine if punishment. Y'all would just it stop is sinning, our fault. I could have what I want. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. My goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, and like, how many? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. So, what is it? What is? How's your daily life been impacted by these changes? Obviously, because you're. I'm assuming you're having significantly fewer human interactions. Um, but I mean, you're still saying mass and praying the office. And so what, how is this sort of being a priest right now on just like the day-to-day level? Since a lot of us, we've seen what it's been like as lay people, but right. we're in a totally different state of life. So what's your, what's your experience? Here? Yeah. So it, it's changed a lot. Um, we've adjusted our mass times because we're going to be streaming at nine o'clock. So every day, so that's changed the mass times. Um, but really, a lot of my days are filled up with meeting with people. I um, do some spiritual direction. I meet with people. Um, there's been uh, so that that fills up a lot of my days uh, during the week, just kind of visiting and meeting with people or having them come into my office. Um, so that's kind of out the window. Um, there's less meetings. Uh, I go to so many meetings because there's so many events in the parish. Um, so there's a lot of that that's just kind of shut down. The one the one nice thing is that. It's really easy to say the um, the office uh, or uh, uh, say the hours at the hours they're supposed to be said, you know, because a lot of times I look at my schedule and it's like, you know what, I've got this time in the morning. I'm going to do the office of readings, morning prayer and daytime prayer because I don't think I'm going to have a chance to do anything until this evening. But now it's like, you know what, right. I can say morning prayer in the morning and daytime prayer in the middle of the day and evening prayer after four o'clock. And, you know, it, so that that's kind of nice. Um, Actually, that I have a, a kind of specific question on that, just sure. out of curiosity. So, with, for daytime prayer, do you pray multiple hours, like terse, sexton, uh, no, or is it? No, I'm not. Pray? I'm not obliged to do that. I'm obliged to pray one of the three options for daytime prayer. Okay, because yeah. I was going to say in the updated like liturgy of the hours, isn't it? I, th- I think there's like one set of uh, sort of unique daily prayer mm-hmm. psalms and then for the other if you were if somebody were to pray the other two hours it would be just in the rotating kind of the same correct thing for the two that they decide okay yeah once upon a time i tried to learn how to pray the like the the update the newer liturgy of the hours mm-hmm. like years yeah. ago yeah so yeah uh so i'm obligated to pray five times a day um so yeah so that's different um it's also so there's a lot more time. There just is. Um, I've been do you do working like any on Zoom spiritual direction. I <laughs> I have done that. You know, I was hesitant to do it because I was like, it's not gonna be the same being there in person and everything. But I was like, eh, let's give it a shot. It went surprisingly well. So um, I'm contacting um, my uh, so my director is saying, hey, if you want to do this, then we can. Um, so that's becoming that's cool. more of an option. Uh, we. Uh, thinking of different things, which a lot more preaching, a lot more preaching. So daily mass uh, homilies have been going longer. Uh, my pastor has asked us to do different little fervorinos and stuff. So I'm gonna start working on doing more of those. So it's really what, the what ministry fervorino. Yeah, what, what's this? Uh, uh, it's uh, like a little little homilette, a little fervorino. Get you fired up. A little word of the Lord. What's the oh, good nice. word? Here you go, fervorino. You've never heard of this. We had a um a, oh, a priest wow. in my That's seminary, crazy. yeah, a Fervorino, uh, a priest in my seminary who said it with a real strong Pittsburghese accent. So I I, I always call it a Fervorino. Um, but yeah, just like a little preach, a little preacher preach. 
There were these um, traditional Carmelites in Dallas, and the Mother Superior was very Texan, and so you'd hear, Dio gracias. Beautiful. One time they had a priest uh, saying the new mass in their, uh, is it a convent? There's a monastery if you're Carmelites. Um, and he walked over to the grate to like do the sign of peace. And the mother superior was pretty traditional. So she, with her cane, she like pulled the gate closed and said, we don't do that. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, um, anyway. do you think, uh, will the sign of peace return to normal? I'm not asking to like stir up any controversy. Like, do you think I'll that say we'll see changes like that? Yeah. For my, for my parish, it's definitely going to stay the same. Um, because, you know, I follow the lead of my pastor and he's been in his live streams doing the sign of peace. Uh, even though there's like two people there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll, we'll see that come back. Um, will you see people embracing as much as they used to, uh, or shaking hands? Maybe not. You know, I think there's still going to be some, uh, PTSD oh, darn. Uh, after all this sells down, you know? Um, yeah, but, uh, people yeah, I want them to bring back the fistula. The who is it? What you heard this term? The no. fistula. It is a golden liturgical straw that the celebrant can use to consume the precious blood. Oh yeah, I'm all for that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> How do the, you spell that? F i s t u l a. I saw it on a so somebody was posting photos from the very last um, papal mass that Pope Saint Paul VI did before the new mass mm-hmm. came into effect. And that's how he received from the throne. That was how he received, and it was with the the fistula. The man, but I don't care how fancy that straw is. That's gonna feel real silly (laughs) drinking our Lord's uh, precious blood from a straw. I would just feel it would feel weird. (laughs) I can't imagine. I don't think it. I don't even know that it's in use in any capacity. I know, like in the East, Eastern Catholics, and obviously the Orthodox, they still use like the spoon. The spoon, Right. right? Um, which that's called something other than spoon, isn't it? It's or not it just, really just the spoon. spoon. Probably something in Greek, I don't know. That's true. It probably, it's like, it sounds fancy because it's in another language and then it translates to like tablespoon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll, I mean, I don't, I'm interested to see the lasting impact that, that all this had. Like, I think that this whole situation is going to have a pretty drastic change to like society and the economy and there'll be with that like downstream effects on the church but i'm wondering if there will be any sort of changes to american catholicism um that sort of last from this like if if there's like a shift in customs because of like and i i wouldn't really expect people to stop um touching each other during the sign of peace or anything but uh i do think that, like out. if there'll be anything things will feel different after this is all done yeah i don't know how it i don't know how it could not feel different if there's such a disruption of our everyday lives right it's not just like a weekend it's i hope that pope francis's daily masses and homilies continue to be posted and dubbed over in english because he's really uh, thriving right now he's having some of his best stuff he's i mean i i feel very vindicated for always defending him now for the last few years because (laughs) his daily homilies are not what you would be led to think no, uh, the, he's a really as, good preacher. Um, yeah, yeah, and he talks a lot about sin and all. I mean, it was like mm-hmm. you sin so much, and our Lord wants to free you from sin, but you don't want to stop sinning. Like it was, it, it it's not quite 
how he's uh, portrayed as being soft on crime often. Um, and I mean, I told people that the Wadato Sea, everyone's freaking out because like, oh, it's about climate crisis or whatever. But I mean, his his thesis is that literally your sins are so bad that they're destroying the planet. And <laughs> like, I, I mean, we, I'm telling you, we've got a good one in this guy. But, uh, I, I do think that not having his stuff filtered down through the some of the journalists um, has been really helpful because you can just go listen to his homilies and realize that he's like beating everybody up. Oh yeah, uh, on a, on the daily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's like uh, he's like taping up his knuckles like a prize fighter before he goes out there for every mass to really get yeah. it to him. Well, and then I've seen the latest thing, you know, I mean, of course, people have to, I assume they have page limits and stuff they have to hit, but people have been complaining that in the the Extraordinary Blessing that the crucifix was damaged because it was out in the rain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you know, it's for worship, guys. It's not a museum piece. So, I mean, obviously, or you wouldn't want to intentionally damage it, but um, we were were actually using it, you know, like for its purpose. Yeah, it's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is this is ordinary wear and tear, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's uh. So, uh, any other imparting any other wisdom you'd like to impart on uh, on our listeners um, as they they navigate Catholicism in the time of Corona? Yeah, um, I think the most important thing is to be honest with your God in prayer. So, yeah, if you're angry at your bishop, go ahead and, and talk to God about that. But also, I would recommend you dive deeper into your anger. Where is that coming from? What's going on? A lot of times, anger uh, hides the more difficult emotions to deal with. It will hide sadness or vulnerability or confusion or doubt. Um, and those are the deeper things that the Lord wants to heal you in. I'll also say that uh, mm-hmm. everything's passing away. This isn't going to last forever. Um, mm-hmm. That, you know... God's love for you has not changed. Um, God's desire for your holiness has not changed. Uh, and so there is still the same hope that we can rely on in Christ. Um, and that's these are just facts. And we need to remind ourselves over and over again of those deep truths. Um, every time you pray, the Father hears you. Like, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, we're uh, removed from the presence of God. But in other ways, he's already within us because of our baptism. So, yeah. Um, and then uh, it is going to be okay. I don't know how long it's going to last, but cos- you know, cosmically, uh, within the realms of salvation history and for the sake of your soul, as long as you keep turning to God, yeah, it's going to be okay. Even if it's going to be really hard and really weird, it's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be sad. I'm sad. I'm frustrated. I Two Sundays ago, I walked into the empty church and was like, God, can you please bring us back here? We don't deserve to be back here, but can you do it anyway? Because we all just want to be back here and celebrate Mass together. So it's okay. It's okay, and we'll get through this. Right. I know I, my motto for the past few years that will probably come back to bite me somehow, but it, I don't <laughs> know. Hopefully it doesn't. But it's just always like we're not special enough to be living in the the end times right like the it's full true. destruction of the church <laughs> like we really yeah, aren't no. like at some point somebody at some point some people will be living in the end times or whatever whatever you know like but it's not yeah. it's not due to any specialness it's just god has just that's when god has decided 
that things will exactly. end, right? So yeah. like it's not we are is it a rough time? Is it like something that is unfortunate and people are going through it and people are kind of, you know, lost and looking for something? Sure, but that I mean, that doesn't mean that this is it. So it, it, it's just and yeah. if it is, that's great news. Well, yeah, but that's, that means that's Jesus thing. is coming again too. So, like, right? Like, what, same, if it is, yeah. like, what's the? That's the, that's not like a bad end result. That's like actually probably the preferred result. I think <laughs> it I, is. You know, we literally than, like, hope for it all the time. Being okay. <laughs> we we at every mass we're like we really hope it's the end of the world soon because we really miss you, Jesus. Can you come back and fix everything? Yeah. It's like yeah, we want this to happen. We want every Easter vigil be to be the last and ultimate and end uh, of of the Easter vigil. We want so we we look forward to it. And the same God you so desire in the Eucharist that you miss and so frustrated that you can't receive, that's the same God who's coming back again to judge the living and the dead. So we should look forward with hope, you know. Uh, and with joy to the coming of the Lord. Yeah, you would think so. You would think so. <laughs> I get it. Scary stuff is scary. I get it. And we're all terrible sinners. But the point is that God came to yeah. save terrible sinners. So let's let's try to stay hopeful here, guys. Yeah. What uh, what's the Tell us about the Desert Fathers podcast. Why did you do that? Is this something you'd been wanting to do? Were you bored? A little of both? What is it? Yeah, yeah, a little bit of boredom, a little bit, it just seemed apropos. Uh, so basically, the real short explanation of the Desert Fathers are uh, after uh, Christians stopped being martyred so much, people still wanted a heroic way to follow Christ, so they ran into the desert and prayed all day. Uh, so these um, uh, monks, uh, these men and women, uh, went out into the desert and self-isolated. And they became really holy, and they didn't receive the sacraments every day. They didn't go to Mass every week. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, they became super holy and deep. So let's look at what they are saying. So the desert fathers podcast, since no one has taken the name, the desert fathers podcast, um, oh, you it's the official it. podcast now. Yeah. It's yeah. So I, uh, it's just little reflections, little, um, 10 minute episodes on some sayings or little stories about the desert fathers. so we can gain a little bit of wisdom. It's on iTunes at least. And that's the one most people use. Um, I'm going to try to make sure it's on the other things. Okay, good. I, uh, yeah. full disclosure, I have not listened yet because I didn't know that it was on iTunes. But now that I mm. do know, I can put it straight into where I listen. There we go. I yeah. see it now. Okay. Great. So my last, my last little it, caveat it, for this was the first episode. Someone asked if I was on Quaaludes when I recorded it, and I was mm. like, okay. So uh, the, the next two episodes are a little bit more uh, lively, but uh, same, same gist. Talking about the Desert Fathers. Were you on Quaaludes? Was I on Quaaludes? No, I was not. My uh, There was a rush on Quaaludes right after toilet paper, and so my guy ran out. Yeah, Father Anthony, now you know what it's like to be told that you're too monotone and boring sounding on your own podcast. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. Good stuff. All right. Well, uh, you know, keep up the good fight in Pittsburgh. Hopefully one day... That's the plan. We- Hopefully one day when we're able to go outside and do stuff, we'll all be reunited physically in the same location. That would be wonderful. Well, I guess not. Th- the three of us haven't been in the same location at the same time, but we all have been in the same location as each other. Yes. <laughs> we have. I borrowed, I borrowed Father's hat. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like a drunk girl at a club. Give me your hat. 
A drunk girl or a child. They, that's what they It was want. kind of like trying hat. to get your hoodie back from an ex-girlfriend for a while because Zach would not give me back my hat as much as I asked for it. But he eventually mm. did, and all things are forgiven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know, thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on. And, uh, My pleasure. Thanks for updated. inviting me. Hey, no problem. Zach, any final words? Um, I don't think so. Thanks, thanks again, Father. We look forward to your fourth uh, visit on the podcast sometime in the future. Sounds good. All right, gang. We will talk to you all next week.